0: Yes, I'm one. Good morning. morning. Welcome to church. We are so glad you're here and we would just love to connect with you and get to know you and learn your your ins and outs and your prayer requests and what makes you happy and what makes you happy. So (laughs) that's a little insider administrator joke. we have a lot of announcements this week. We are starting everything on Wednesday night that you could possibly imagine, including Wednesday night dinners. Um, we have Kids Praise, we have, the ladies have a thousand, life, well, they have a bunch of life groups, and the men have a couple. But we're, um, you know, that's the way we roll, because we're men. Um, I'm sorry, I'm really bad this morning. I'm trying to, I'm trying to behave myself, but it's, I'm just having a hard time doing it. But, uh, so we have all that. All that's happening. Plus, we're still doing tours of the buildings. If you'd like to to tour the buildings, I'll be out at the welcome desk after this and you can tour the buildings and you can uh, write a scripture on the floor. You can help pray over them with us. But if you would like to connect with us, you could uh, text the word CONNECT 904-441-6900 or you could scan the QR code that's up there on the screen. And we have many of those actually out in the atrium. And that will bring you a link that will show you um, how to connect, how to give. It will give you a digital copy of our bulletin. It will just give you lots of different ways to connect with us. That's our main way we're connecting with folks right now. Unless you are a new or or a first-time visitor, in which case you can go to the desk and get a gift from us. And that would just be our thanks to you for coming today. So we just hope you have a wonderful service, and we're just so thankful for you being here. God bless.
1: Well, as we, as we begin our time together, in fact, if you can do so comfortably to stand with me, we're going to read together from God's Word. These words will be on the screen. There will be two types of slides. The first one will say leader. I'll read that one. The next one will say all. We will all read that one. The next one will say leader. And I and those of you who miss the word leader will read that one together. <laughs> so this is God's Word. It says, I will sing of your strength and will joyfully proclaim your faithful love in the morning, for you have been a stronghold for me, a refuge in my day of trouble. To you, my strength, I sing praises, because God is my stronghold, my faithful God. I exalt you, my God the King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. I will honor your name forever. And ever. I will speak of your glorious splendor and your wonderful works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring works, and I will declare your greatness. Please be seated. You know, when I was a kid, I learned a very simple prayer that we would often say before we ate our food. It was: God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. It always bothered me that good and food did not rhyme, but then it continued, by his hand we all are fed. Thank you, Lord, for daily bread. Amen. It was a very simple prayer, one that a child could recite, but it has a very profound meaning. You see, God is both great and God is good. See, if God were only great, majestic, powerful, and he were not also good, we would we would tremble before his presence. If God were only good, but he didn't have the greatness to back up his goodness, he would be a nice old man, but who couldn't really do anything to help us. But the truth of the matter is, God is both great and God is good. That's going to be the theme of our worship this morning. So I invite you to join me now as I lead us in prayer. Father, We are so grateful that you are both, that you are great and good. And Lord, we know that your greatness is displayed in your mighty acts, in creation, in protection. And we know that your goodness is displayed in your merciful acts, in the way that you provide for us and sustain us, and ultimately, in the way you sent your own son, Jesus, who knew no sin, to die on a cross to pay the penalty for all of our sins. So, Lord, because you are great and you are good, we join with all of creation in bringing you the praise that you so rightly and so richly deserve. So, Father, accept our worship this morning as it comes from Hearts that are not all they should be and hands that are not as clean as they could be. But Lord, we give, you, we give it to you because you are worthy of this and so much more. And all God's people said, amen. Let's, together, let's stand together as we sing all creatures of our God and King.
2: Of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. showed his
1: greatness in the creation of this world and all the worlds and all the creatures on all of them. And he shows his goodness (coughs) as he continues to lead us and provide for us and guide us and sustain us throughout this world. All the way my Savior leads me. (coughs)
2: Soul, our thirst may be gushing from.
3: Well, good morning. My name is Julia Murray. I'm the College and Young Adult Minister here. And I, as we continue worship through giving this morning, I would be remiss if I didn't mention all the wonderful things that Bill was announcing that we have kicking off this week. Are We're able to do those outreaches because of the generosity of this church. So thank you for um, pouring into what God is doing here at Anastasia and partnering with us in that. I have the privilege of leading our college students and Flagler just had move in this past weekend and so many of our Flagler students especially who come from other states or even other countries are so thankful to find a church family that cares for them and it's because of your generosity. There's a few ways that you are able to partner with us this morning There are offering boxes located throughout our church if you would like to drop off your envelopes there. You can scan the QR code that's on the screen. You can use that 904 441 6900 and text the word connect, and that will also give you a link to our giving options. But thank you for your generosity. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you now and we offer this part of our worship to you, Lord, for your glory. Our offerings are um, because of what you have given to us, Lord, and I pray as we give back to you, Lord, that we would be faithful and cheerful in giving to you, Lord, that we would be faithful stewards of what you have given us, that we would be faithful in sharing your gospel throughout our community, and that we um, would just realize those you've placed around us and the need they have for you, Lord. Thank you, we love you.
1: Well, let's stand and once again, let's sing together of the wonderful grace of Jesus. people that have not yet had the great privilege of knowing you and you have at this opportunity the chance to fix that. So find someone who doesn't yet know you and give them that joy.
4: On here. Don't you love being in the house of the Lord with all of God's people? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hey, we are going to be looking at Ruth chapter four, just the first 12 verses. We'll hit the last of it next week. So, uh, but Ruth chapter four is where we're coming from today. And, uh, before I get into the text, let me ask you this question. Do you ever feel like life has been ganging up on you? You ever felt like like those things have happened and you just wished, you just hoped, you you just needed someone to come alongside of you and be there with you while you're going through a very tough time? Someone to give you that hand up when you most needed it, to give you the help you need, whether it's spiritual need or emotional need or financial need or physical need. You know, when you're at the end of your rope. Well, that's what Ruth chapter 4 is all about. That's what I want to talk about. You know, who can I turn to when I need somebody on my side? Ruth had someone, Naomi had someone that she could turn to when when things were very difficult. And I want you to know that you have someone you can turn to as well. Um, In Ruth 1, let me give you a little recap. In Ruth 1, we talked about the idea that, that God can use the least expected people to do the most amazing things, okay? And then in Ruth 2, Pastor Sam gave you a message last week about about Boaz and and what it means to cultivate a character of of compassion. And today, as we move into the first 12 verses of of Chapter 4 of Ruth, I want to talk about Boaz and the special role that he had. And this this is a role. It's called a kinsman redeemer, before I get to the text, I want to give you a little bit of background because it will help you understand while we're going through the passage here because this is an ancient Hebrew situation. It's technical. It's precise. It's in the Bible. It's very specific, and, uh, and so I want us to, to know about that. And uh, if you ever want to do some more reading about this idea of a kinsman redeemer, you can look at Deuteronomy chapter 25. Or And you can also look at Luke, Leviticus, sorry, Leviticus chapter 25. And I'm going to go there in just a minute to give us some background. And we're going to talk about a person that in Ruth 4 is called the Redeemer. Now, if you got the King James Version, it doesn't say the Redeemer. It says the kinsman, okay? Both of those terms are correct. And both of those terms are incomplete, okay? Because it's both the kinsman and a redeemer. A kinsman means someone that's your kin, someone that is related to you, and a redeemer means someone that, that buys back something. And, and it's both of those concepts that are there. This person is a kinsman redeemer. And so, and it comes from Leviticus 25, and in Leviticus 25, God is giving them the, the, the rules, the, the guidelines for how they deal with property. And in Leviticus chapter 25, It says, starting at verse 23, it says, The land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine. This concept that the land that you're going to sell to somebody else, you're not selling it forever because no one owns land forever. You know that, that rule still applies. You don't own land forever. Not a single one of us owns land forever. All the land belongs to God. And the time that you get to use it, be thankful for be, feel blessed about it and then use it for God. Okay. But it says here, the land shall not be sold in, perpetu- in perpetuity for the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the country you possess, you shall allow a redemption of the land between those years of Jubilee. If, if your brother becomes poor and sells part of his property, then his nearest redeemer shall come and redeem what his brother has sold keeping the land in the family as it was given by God. And you're supposed to go to the nearest redeemer, the nearest kinsman redeemer, the closest relative. The Hebrew term is goel, G-O-E-L, goel, the goel. And this was the situation that Naomi found herself in, that, that her husband, Elimelech, had died, and her sons, Kilion and Malon, they had died, and, and uh, she went back, and there was land, but, you know, it's she needed to, to sell it, but she can't just sell it to anybody. It needs to go to someone in the family. She can't sell his right outside of the outside of the family. And, and so anyway, they came across Boaz, and Boaz was not the nearest redeemer. He was not the nearest Goel, okay? He was the next to nearest. He was second in line. And so in the context of this passage, Boaz had set up a meeting to see if the closest Redeemer, the closest kinsman redeemer, that, that nearest relative, would allow Boaz to redeem the land. And so now we've set the stage. So I invite you to stand with me as I read the first 12 verses of Ruth chapter 4. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, and sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. And so they sat down. What Boaz is doing, he's getting the council together. He's getting people together to make the decision. And so they sat down in verse 3. And then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi has come back from the country of Moab and is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it. And say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there's no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. And then Boaz said, Well, the day you buy the field from the land, hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Okay, there's a twist here. Sort of like, take my wife. Take take his wife, please. Verse 6. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel Also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malone, I've bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead uh, in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. And all the people who are at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who's coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephratah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. Lord Jesus, I thank you for, Lord, the truths that you shared with us here. Lord, I thank you that, that just like Naomi had someone to stand beside her when things were desperate, Lord, we have someone to stand beside us, and it's you. And Lord, help us to rely on you, to depend on you, to trust you. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. may be seated. So the fact that Naomi and Ruth had a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer, a Goel, dramatically changed their lives for the better. Someone who could do what they could not do for themselves. And it was literally the difference between life and death. When they, that when they were overwhelmed, someone was on their side and someone to save them. Can I just say to you that we're all in that same situation? We're all in this situation that we can't save ourselves. And when we're overwhelmed, we have someone that we can go to as well. We have a redeemer, and his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ, he's our redeemer. Uh, in Titus chapter 2, it tells us that Jesus is our redeemer. This is what it says in Titus chapter 2, starting at verse 11. It says, for the grace of God's appeared. God's grace appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Okay, so that's what his grace does. It brings salvation, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem, to redeem us from all lawlessness, We've been redeemed. We have a kinsman redeemer. We have a savior that is related to us because we're part of the family of God. We're children of God. When you trust in Jesus Christ, you're a child of God. So he is a kinsman and he is a redeemer. And you know, he didn't just buy back a piece of land. He he bought back your soul. He bought back my soul. That's what he did. So, So you know, when we're overwhelmed by the truth that we can't get to heaven on our own, and we can't, You know, sometimes we don't think about that and we just love our little merry life down here on earth. But sometimes when it comes to us in those very trying moments and we realize, you know what, I'm not good enough to get to heaven and 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 the reality is right there and we realize we can't save ourselves from, from our own sins, from ourselves. We can't give ourselves peace and rest. At that moment, realize that Jesus redeemed our souls. He redeemed us. He bought back our souls. So how do I access... This redemption. Well, I want to share some simple truths that I find here in, in Ruth chapter 4. And the first truth I want to share comes from verse 1, verse 4, and verse 6. In verse 1, I see that there's a redeemer. Boaz went to the gate. Because at the gate, that's where everything happened. That was sort of where, where official action took place, was at the city gate. That's where the elders would sit. That's where Boaz went. And he, was, he was there in order to make sure that everything was done according uh, to the way it should be done. He says, he sat down there and behold, the Redeemer. There was a Redeemer already before Boaz, okay? There was this Redeemer, someone who was supposed to take care of Naomi in this situation. And so then also then in Ruth 4, this person agreed to be the Redeemer. That, that Redeemer said at the end of verse 4, I will redeem it. I will take the responsibility of taking on this land um, for for uh, Naomi, I'll, I'll take care of this. And he agreed to be the Redeemer in the presence of the council. Sort of like under oath, he said, I will redeem it, okay? But then in verse 6, a 180-degree switch. The Redeemer said, I can't redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. He found out that with this land came the extra responsibility of an extra wife. And, uh... <laughs> I I didn't say anything. (laughs) I'm just giving you facts here, guys, okay? When he contemplated the children that would also be taking part of his children's inheritance and perhaps the transfer of some of that property to the family of Malone, and he backed out. He he said in verse 4, I will redeem it. But then he said in verse 6, I can't redeem it. You know, that redeemer, he was intent on helping out, but... And I'm sure he meant to keep his promise, but he couldn't, and he didn't. And you know, when we're overwhelmed, sometimes we trust in people that say they're gonna help us, but they don't. Not because they don't want to, it's just that they can't, and they have all the good intentions. Uh, But you know, good intentions aren't really good intentions. A lot of people make promises, but you know, good intentions are nothing without action. And in some places that we look, to find peace in our heart. It's not coming from a place, it's not looking to a place where the promise can be met, and we go to the wrong place, okay? And what I wanna say, if you really want salvation that's gonna last into all eternity, move away from mere good intentions and empty promises. That's the first point. Move away from mere good intentions. There are good intentions everywhere. There are people that want your life to be better, And they'll give you promises, but many of those promises are empty. I mean, how many people will tell you this is the diet you ought to be on, okay? Good intentions, but I want you to know, I don't care what diet you have, that's not gonna get you to heaven, okay? Um, If you wanna live forever in heaven, that's me. I'm living for eternity. If you wanna live forever in heaven then you need to go to the one who created heaven and earth. He's the one who truly understands what it takes to get to heaven. The one who created heaven is the one who can get you to heaven. It's not crystals. It's not diets. It's nothing other than Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who's in the throne room of heaven right now because he knows what's there. He knows how to get there to redeem us for heaven. And Jesus didn't merely have good intentions. He didn't say, I'm going to redeem you, and then went on his merry way. He said, I will redeem you, and then he went to the cross. Think about that. And he didn't give us an empty promise. He didn't say, and you know, if you follow me, then, then you're going to have life forever with me in heaven, eternal life. He didn't just say that. He proved it. He, died, he rose up from the dead. You know, he showed his love on the cross. He proved his power at the empty tomb. And so if you w- really want to go to heaven, <laughs> you know, it, it's a reality in Jesus Christ. He's the one that can can redeem us for eternal life. A lot of people have philosophies and have good intentions, but can they deliver eternally? Or are they just empty promises? And I say, if you really want a kinsman redeemer who will take you into eternity, move away from the good intentions. Move away from the empty promises and trust the Savior. I see another truth in verse 5 and in verse 6. Boaz said to the guy who said he's going to redeem it. He said the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite. Now that's a big that, that that's a big kink in the deal here, okay? Cuz then the redeemer said I can't redeem it for myself lest I impair my own inheritance. You know, it's it, it's finally in verse 5 when Boaz mentions, "Here's here's what it takes to redeem this land." And and the mental calculations are coming together and uh and he realized, you know, hmm, this is a bigger deal than I thought it was going to be. I mean, can you imagine? You go out in the morning and you come back that afternoon from the city gates, and you—it's not like coming home and telling your wife that you bought a new chicken or a new mule. <laughs> hey, honey, look what I came home. I brought home a new wife. You know, how do you think that would go over? Uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, it's well. Just a, a side. I'm not allowed to do um, garage sailing with paper money anymore. I think it was the time I brought home the macrame hanging (laughs) that I thought would look perfect in the den. And so my wife told me that uh, I can only use coin money when I go garage sailing on Saturday mornings. But in my defense, I think that macrame only cost a coin or two, but oh well. That, That has nothing to do with this sermon. But here's what happened. The the Redeemer, that closest relative, he realized he couldn't take care of his own inheritance. He couldn't take care of his obligations. And he wanted to be that person that could step up and and save uh, Naomi. But, but, you know, that's the reality for all of us in the eternal scheme of things. You know, when you really count the cost of what it takes to get to heaven, I can't save anybody else to go to heaven. I can't even save myself. I can't even save myself. I can't save anyone else. So the point I want to make is this, and you can write this down. Realize that the price of heaven is more than I can pay. The price of heaven is more than I can pay. I'm not qualified for heaven. The Bible says it this way, for all have sinned and do what? They fall short. They fall short of the glory of God. All of us fall short of the glory of God. I cannot redeem my own life. I'm not good enough to go to heaven. Now, there there are people... Um, and this is a common belief that, you know, if I'm, if I'm better than most people, or I do more good things than bad things, and I'm going to be shot up to heaven. Uh, God, that, that, that standard for getting into heaven is not more good than bad. That's not the standard. The standard for heaven is perfection, okay? Heaven is a perfect place. The standard for heaven is perfection. What would happen if God allowed just a little bit of sin into heaven? What happened when a little bit of sin went into the Garden of Eden? Look at the world now. It just spreads, right? So what, ha- what would happen if God allowed a little bit? He, let, he lets people in that are 51% good into heaven. What would heaven be like after a while? It wouldn't be heaven anymore. It's very important for heaven to be paradise. It's very important for God to have a very perfect place. So what that means is that, that God's got to take away the sin from us, and we can't do that ourselves. It's more, I cannot pay for my own sins if it's, if it's a blood penalty for one sin, I think of all the sins I had in my life, I don't have enough lives to give to save myself. You know, so, so anyway, I need to realize that that price of heaven is more than I can pay. I need to realize I'm not qualified to redeem myself. If you want the salvation that Jesus Christ offers, realize that you're not doing him a favor by trusting him. You're doing yourself a favor. Now, going on, verses 7 through 9, it starts talking about this custom of uh, ratifying a transaction in verse seven, it said, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. If I had to take off my shoe, uh, some of you say, I don't want to take that shoe and, and, and pick it up. Aren't you glad they don't do that today? But what they said, this is the way they witnessed it. And it was a grateful witness and the point I want to make is that, that we need to yield to the Redeemer and we need to show it. Thankfully yield to the Redeemer who can deliver my inheritance. I'm, if I'm going to thank the Lord, I want to thank him publicly. I want to show the sandal. I want to show the sandal in my life. I want to confirm that soul transaction. If I'm giving my life to Jesus, I'm saying, Jesus, you, I, I am giving my life to you. I need you to redeem my life. And then I show him the sandal. Now, what is that? Well, you know, a very basic way that I learned was you get baptized. Okay? That's showing the sandal. It's one way of showing them. Uh, Another way of showing the sandal is is I live my life differently. I live as though I'm redeemed. That's one way of showing the sandal. Another way I show the sandal is I tell people that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. These are ways of showing the sandal. So, So I want to be thankful to the Lord. I want to yield to him. But I want to show it outwardly. I want to show it outwardly. In, in Colossians chapter 1, it says, I'm giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Okay? He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I need to show people that I believe in that forgiveness. I need to show people that I'm living in that forgiveness. You know, I need to embrace him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength so that other people can see that I'm a witness of this great, great transaction. I need to show the sandal. I need to live my life differently. And then finally, in verse 11, Boaz said, you know, you're witnesses. And the people said in verse 11, we are witnesses. We are witnesses. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're a witness. And you don't need to be a silent witness. You need to be a public witness that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. If you're someone where where Jesus Christ has made a difference in your life and you're living in forgiveness, you are a witness. And this world needs us to be witnesses. And so the next point is this. Be a witness to the redeeming power of Jesus. Be a witness. Tell people, you know, if you don't know how to share your faith, and I'm not saying you have to go through 100 million scriptures, you know, but if you can't tell someone that Jesus Christ changed my life, and it would be good for you to trust in Jesus. And all you need to do is you need to place your faith in him and follow him as your Lord. That's, that's what it is, okay? They can learn the Bible verses later. But they need to, that, that heart surrender is what it takes. Be a witness to what it means to living for Jesus and not living for myself. Be a witness to that power. You know, in Acts 1.8 it says you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit's come on you. So the Holy Spirit comes on you. But What happens then? And then you'll be my witnesses. God gives us power in our spiritual lives so that we can be witnesses of His great work. That power comes from being a witness. And the witness is this that we have someone in our corner when we're overwhelmed, that we have a Redeemer, okay, who can save us from ourselves. That's what you're witnessing to, that there's someone in my corner. This is what I'm a witness to. Jesus Christ is in my corner. I'm not witnessing that I'm perfect, because I'm not. I'm not witnessing that we're the perfect church, because we're not. What I'm witnessing is that Jesus Christ is our Savior, and we're trusting in Him, and He's in our corner. And whatever bad may happen going on to the end of this life and into eternity, I'm trusting in Him, and I'm a witness in His redemptive power, someone who can save us from ourselves. You know, If you're a follower of Jesus, let me just remind you that every good and perfect blessing comes because you have a redeemer, someone in your corner. Let people know about him. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, and if you're feeling crushed, if you sense that you need a new direction in your life, this is what Jesus says to you. Don't worry about saving yourself. I got this. I got this. I'm in your corner. Follow me. Follow me. Take my hand. Follow my path. Have faith. And come live with me in heaven forever. That's what he's saying to you. If you make that decision, you've made the best decision of your life. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that salvation is simple. And it's simple because you made it simple. Because you took you took all the action that needs to happen. You paid the price. You showed your love. You offered that gift of life forever with you in heaven, Lord, to us. And Lord, you offered it to us for free. If we just trust you and follow you. Lord, if there's someone here that needs to trust you and follow you, Lord, I pray right now they're doing that. Lord, I pray that person is saying, Lord Jesus, I can't save myself. I'm gonna have to trust you. And I'm gonna follow you from this day forward as my Savior and Lord. Lord, I pray someone is making that decision because you start opening up the path not just to heaven, but fulfillment and peace and love and joy. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for those times we are silent witnesses and we don't speak up because the fear of this world is still in front of us. Lord, help us to remember that you're in our corner. You're by our side. Lord, we trust you. We love you. We praise you. And all glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're coming to a time of response. And if the Lord is speaking to you to make a decision that's public, whether it's baptism or you want to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need some more information, while we stand right now, I invite you to stand. While we stand right now, I invite you to come forward and come and talk with me, and I'll help you take those next steps. If you want to become a member of this church, you can come forward and speak with me. We have counselors that will help you take that next step. And we'll give God the glory for everything good that happens. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining. on higher ground lord lift me up and let me stand my faith on heaven's table May, though some may dwell where these abound my prayer my Would you remain
1: standing and receive this blessing from God's Word. May the God of all greatness and goodness bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And as you go, may you live lives and speak words and exhibit attitudes even in traffic and while at home watching the news that display the wonderful grace of Jesus. And all God's people who committed to doing so said, Amen. Amen. Amen.